welcome back to 4 Geeks by Geeks, the place where geeks come to geek out. As always, I am Bozer, and this is a special episode of Cloudscape, where we're going to hit the pause button on the campaign, and just take a moment to reflect on what the hell has happened in the last eight episodes. <laughs> and we've got a few of our players here at the table to give some insight into their characters, geek out about this amazing story that we're writing together. Hi guys, how you doing tonight? Hi. I'm Hi. I'm, I'm here. I'm excited. I'm excited to talk about the episode so far. I know I've wanted to on? do this for a while. And if you didn't know, we kind of already do this every week on Twitch in the chat while we're playing back the episode. We treat it like a little bit of a watch party. And we're in the chat geeking out with each other, making fun of ourselves and like, oh yeah, forgot it, this happened. So now this is going to be interesting to see if we can remember what's going on in the last eight episodes. Yep. You know what I actually love so much about the rewatch party? are the moments that I laugh the same time I laugh. Yes! And, <laughs> and like, it makes me laugh even harder. Like, ah, yes, comedy gold. Like, My... uh, the last episode invoking uh, Waylon's right-hand man to make him break that phone at first. <laughs> it's just, like, a silly bit, but I laughed just as hard. My favorite is watching everyone's faces because like when it's all going on, I'm watching the person who's talking, but like when we come back to it, I'm like watching your face and watching Theo's face and it's just like getting a glimpse of what else is happening um, during the session because I normally don't get that when I'm playing the game. So mm, yeah. Yeah, because you're so kind of zoned in to either the player you're talking to or to me, I do the same. Like I just yep. stare at you if I'm talking to Kit, yeah. but there's so much gold happening all the way around. Yeah, yeah. meanwhile, I'm sure I, there's plenty of times where I'm just like... <laughs> <laughs> or when like a big piece of information is dropped and you're in the moment, so mm -hmm. you're like taking it in, but I always, okay, so between Austin and Josh's faces, you're the two that I go to most <laughs> oh, yeah. because it's just gold where Austin is just like, and you're like, <gasps> Like you make it big and it's just, it's just fun to watch. Um, and I think that's my favorite part about the watch party is being able to do them. Yeah. Well, before we get too far into this sky dive, ah. instead of a deep dive, thank you, Josh, for that. <laughs> <laughs> um, if somebody's using today's episode as a way to just like quickly catch up and get to know what's going on, we each of you, starting with Kit, tell us a little bit about who you, who you are, first of all. Who your characters playing and then a little bit about them okay so my name's Britt, and i play kit who um is a middle 20-ish age mechanic um who is currently running her family shop after her father disappeared um and the actual first eight episodes are kind of figuring stuff out uh there's apparently a lead on her father and we want to figure it out where is tobias pfeiffer um but i think you might have a little skin in that game josh i sure do uh my name is josh i play Sirkin soroko 
who is a uh, mafia torturer, essentially. Uh, I mean, he he's a man who lives by his own code, and he has decided that uh, he's going to shape the world the way he sees it. Not a big bad in the making at all. No! Oh. He's an interrogator, okay? The point is, <laughs> I job. ask questions. You know, I'm, I'm a knowledge seeker. Yeah. And That's... Big Bird taught us that it's no harm in asking questions. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I know we already went past Kit, but... Uh, so when we talk about Fate Core, talking about the our aspects... I don't know if we want to touch on any of those. Yeah, sure, 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 sure. Uh, because I, th I think it's kind of interesting the way they, they've shaped how the characters have turned out. Because when we built these characters, I mean, I had no idea where I was going to be at the end of episode eight. Uh, right. But uh, None things, of us did. Right. Uh, but, like, I have certain, the, the aspects for my character, I have uh, scholarly aspirations. And that's just been a big thing that has accidentally shaped the uh, weird pseudo-intellectual side of Circuit. Mm -hmm. um, Kit, what would you say, going back to you for a second, sorry, Lucas, um, what would you say is like the number one aspect that you've used more often in the game so far? Oh, um, my bark is bigger than my bite, I think. Um, yeah. yeah. As we're figuring out what that means. Yeah, and I think she's evolved uh -huh. because, like, when she met this group of ruffians, like, she was kind of just like, I don't want this. Like, who are you? Like, she thought it was a one time thing, like, meet in an alley. Okay, we're done. <laughs> now she's like exposed to this lifestyle, exposed to how these just guys just live the regular life. She's. She's coming out of her shell i guess she's creating a backbone um she's seen the world through different lenses if that makes sense and yeah uh i think it's she's slowly evolving from who i started her as um and i'm excited to see what the next episodes kind of bring out of her so and lucas of all the characters at this skydive Yours is the one we probably know the least about. Uh, what? No. Uh, and that's life getting in the way, because you're an army brat now. Yeah, I was a busy, busy boy. You're saving uh, the world, so you're doing important things. I don't, right? know about, I don't know about all that. <laughs> um, Tell us a little bit about your character. So, yeah, um, I'm Lucas. I play Alsvid Al Batten. Um, he's kind of the Han Solo type of the group. He uh like early years Han Solo. He's he's all he's a lot for himself. He does a lot of jobs for a lot of people, and might rip some people off in the process. Hmm. Can I ask how the <laughs> hell you came up with the name Alsvid? Um, I was kind of I have this I had this down at one point. So I was looking at uh all, there's a theme with a lot of my characters lately. Um, while we'll look for different languages translations, and or um like kind of what they are so like if i remember right it's um norwegian or something like that oh okay um for like speedy 
Nice. So, oh. I was looking. I was basically looking at names that translated into like fast and uh, stealthy, or and and of the such. That's um, cool. That's awesome. I remember when you finally named your character and gave me one, like the night before we started recording. <laughs> but so I was grateful that at least it was before we. Recorded. Yeah. So oh oh, it's old. <laughs> it's I knew it was. I knew it was up there. It's old Norse for very quick. Old Norse. Nice. It does have kind of a, a Norse tinge to it. Mm -hmm. But I remember you sent me that name and I'm like, is this a typo? You know what? We're going to roll with it and find out later. Yep. So I, I've been tending to do that a lot lately, even in like my other campaigns. But you guys all come from experience playing D&D &D and other TTRPGs. Uh, and for those that have tuned into Cloudscape, you know that we're using Fate Core, which we touched on a little bit with Aspects. Um, when originally we were looking for the next campaign after our City of Mist campaign, which was the last one we just did, um, and I knew that I was going to be GMing, I needed something. I needed a system that was flexible and loosey-goosey because I knew that I wouldn't get every single rule correct. And so I actually asked T, I'm like, hey, what TTRPGs do you know of that kind of can fit this vibe? And he listed off some. And when I found Fate Core, I was like, this, this is it. Because it really can fit any system, any, or not any system, any uh, setting. It could be sci-fi. It can be high fantasy. It can be this weird pseudo fantasy, futuristic amalgamous world that we're living in. Where Google doesn't exist, and neither does TikTok. <laughs> um, but it's it's got some really great rolls. You roll with D6, 4D6 every single time. Um, they have fudge dice, which are interesting because they have pluses and minuses and blanks, and that's it. And then there's kind of certain shifts rather than a, a certain number you're aiming for. Shifts meaning above or below the goal. Um, but aspects are a big part that you can invoke using fate tokens. And those can either give you a plus two or re-roll on your current role. And those aspects are tied to like some strong personalities and pieces of your characters. Um, so how did you guys, when you were coming across these characters, when you're starting to build, how did you decide on what you landed on? Um, I wanted to play something different than what I usually play. Mm -hmm. as a um like i fall into <clears throat> like a caster sort when i play like D D or mm -hmm. um I, I fall into the magic category and that's kind of where i stick to um and i kind of wanted to play something outside of my um i guess realm of playing sure um and i felt kit just uses her hands she doesn't make things appear she does it herself um and i felt like but when i heard what everyone else was playing and i was like oh no i'm the only character that isn't in a life of crime like i was like oh how am i gonna play this like i didn't want to feel like i was splitting the party constantly because i was doing different things but Though we have yet to succeed on not yeah. playing the party. <laughs> <laughs> but the way it's turned out, it, it meshes well. Um, and that's that was my biggest concern. So um, I like Kit. I like what she does. 
and I'm happy with her. So, Kit being outside the world of crime, though, does make it instantly made the world of Cloudscape feel bigger because we had a such different views of what life in this city is like. Mm -hmm. And you guys all like technically everyone kind of was in like this web where you kind of knew each other some way or another. Mm -hmm. Whereas like Kit knew none of y'all until the alley. So I think that's so great. I think that's such a great way to bring up, have a party together is have most everyone tangentially connected mm -hmm. and having one new person like, outlier. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That was a struggle for me being, this is the first time that I've ever GM'd an entire campaign, a homebrew at that, um, finding a connection and a reason that you guys would continue to work together. Because like you said earlier, Britt, when when you met in the alley and you're like, I thought that was a one-time thing. And I'm like, oh my God, this feels like a one-time thing. There's no reason for this to connect. Yeah. Um, except for some things that we'll get into. <laughs> Josh, how did you create and or why did you create Circin? <laughs> and is why, why the question? Why? Why Circin. is definitely Yeah, the, that's the, a big question. Why did you create such a demented soul? Why? Why are you so good at at betraying him? <laughs> is your family okay? Is there is something he... behind all those Stephen King books? <laughs> no. I've uh, never seen them on camera, so do they really exist? <laughs> uh, damn, Ma, what are you looking so dressed up for? <laughs> <laughs> Episode uh, eight, go check it out. Episode eight. Um, <laughs> I so I usually play very over the top comedic characters. Really? Yeah. And so this is like. <laughs> It's like night and day, boy. It's, well, and and uh, so it's, I'm kind of in the same boat as Kit, where I wanted to do wow. something like a little different. Uh, so in like the the sessions that I would play with my friends, I would always pick like these big over the top personalities. Um, and because I play with a lot of combat focused players in my personal circle mm. so i always played the big role play character so i'm high charisma i'm you know typically warlock i'm slinging spells and talking shit and just having a great time yeah and uh i've on uh my show dairy public radio we have a bonus show where we we've been doing audio dramas and so i've been playing uh, a more subdued real character and i was like all right i i like I've, I've liked acting down a little bit. And when I found out about the auditions for this and you sent the sides, <laughs> the first thing I, I found the side and it was a very heartfelt, emotional, like speech, like coming. It was a guy coming to apologize about mm -hmm. how he left a situation. Mm -hmm. And the, I, I read that. And I sent you guys a message and I said, hey, can I, do you mind if I twist this a little bit? And you were like, yeah, go for it, whatever. I'm like, and, this guy? I'm like hey, T, this guy's already trying to what up our side. <laughs> what a douche. <laughs> and, and so I decided that I would, I wanted to perform this very heartfelt apology and at the end reveal that 
all it was was a mask for vengeance. Like, all this was was a manipulation to get to, and we are now going to kill this person. And I just, I wanted to see if I could play, like, the subtle, like, the that layer. And when I recorded the audition, I was like, all right, if they like this, then let's just see where this takes us. And then you made the mistake of casting me. The mistake. <laughs> and you know, this, no. is where we, this is where we play your side right now. <laughs> oh god coming in hot no honestly t and i talk about it all the time strangely enough how excited and thrilled we are the fact that we have such an amazing crew at this table most of which are brand new to us and like brit we hang out with let's get rolling plenty so you are already kind of in the circle but we've never really sat around a table often mm -hmm. um but with Austin, just coming out of nowhere, and we knew him kind of through Cantina 13, but again, we've never sat at a table with him. But he did the homework, and he already, like, knew what aspects he would use. And I was like, oh, shit, this guy's going to know the rules. I need that. <laughs> um, plus, he's an amazing role player. But then Josh, out of the blue, like, we, we had no idea anybody would even audition. <laughs> we're like let's just throw this out there and we'll see if anybody bites and we were following each other on instagram but mm -hmm. we hadn't really communicated a lot and you're like hey can i audition we're like sure do you are you sure you want to <laughs> and uh, it's honestly been one of the you best really decisions what you're getting into i think yeah. we've ever made is putting the net out and being able to fold in brand new amazing talent and then showcasing not only you guys as role players, but then feeding into your own communities. Let's get rolling. Oh wait, no. Let's get roll. Where am I gonna be? Yep. Let's get rolling. Nope. It's all mirrored. I can't do it. Very <laughs> public. What's it doing? What's your community called, Lucas? Uh, it's just barely a community. I've streamed once this year. <laughs> the army. The army. The army is my community. One day, one day I'll get back to regularly streaming. So how did Allsvid come to be? Um, the day of. <laughs> I mean, okay. Truthfully, there are players that the I'm players great. that drop a character day of. They're like, "Oh, I made this character," and you're like, "Today? <laughs> That's what I do in like a month." <laughs> so, so I don't think I hammered out the the aspects for Allsfid because I had the concept. I had the concept when we were like, "Oh, we're gonna do this." And I was like, "Oh, okay." Yeah. This is the concept. I didn't have the aspects or the sheet or anything filled out till I think that like I don't think it was finished until the end of episode one. <laughs> and the cool thing about fate is is that totally allowed. Yeah. Um, a lot of times you might start a fate campaign with a half sheet because you kind of want to see what happens and then oh yeah that feels like my character that's now an aspect. Yeah. So I, I think I went I through. Find. I think I went through that first like, little encounter. <clears throat> <laughs> with only with only uh two aspects i think I, I didn't pick a third one yet you still haven't no 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 i i, I, have, okay. I have a third one now but. i'm like we're eight episodes in you might want one of those um <laughs> but no i i uh i typically uh, i i am the combat focused person yes and so i was like well maybe let's let's play a more rogue-esque type person and uh it didn't go so well 
for the very first, very first <laughs> attempt. But that is just gold. Like that was that was probably like that's gonna go down to be one of my favorite moments. I think, the especially for like a session one. Oh yeah. 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 That was yeah. such a like doing that like kind of PvP stuff, especially episode one can be such a risky thing especially for players that don't know each other but i don't know what it was but when that scene was happening the the smile when i saw the smile on both of our faces as yep. we both kind of failed i was like all right we're both yep. here for the story moment there's not an e like we were just letting the dice tell the story and not mm -hmm. get yeah it was, it was great because it's like mm -hmm. That morning is the first morning you and I have ever interacted. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, oh <laughs> you're looking a little too good there, bub. Gotta, gotta and that's on Bozer. Bozer's the one who's like, well, there is somebody very well dressed. <laughs> you, as soon as he said it, too, I was like, oh, no. Oh, no. Because at that point in the episode, um, I was like, okay, we, the scene's been set. We've met each of you in your own specific worlds. Now let's throw you all at each other all at once and just see what happens. <laughs> I'm kind of a throw it at the wall and see if it sticks kind of guy. Um, I don't, I don't like everything to be super structured and concrete because it doesn't allow for creativity that way. And, and then your own amazing responses and, and the dice. So um, yep. you, you said something that triggered a thought and now that thought is gone, but is it about what a chaos demon you are? <laughs> <laughs> oh the fact that where you mentioned that that first episode that we recorded josh and lucas you guys hadn't really spent that much time communicating because mm. i think lucas you couldn't come to session zero yeah i don't think i was there for session zero unfortunately and so there was kind of a foundation of rapport that maybe you guys were missing but the thing that i keep hearing is wow I can't believe these people are playing for the first time. It feels like a bunch of friends playing together for years. That's so nice. And honestly, that is like one of the greatest compliments I think our campaign can ever take away. Yeah. Because I feel that. And I don't know why we mesh so freaking well, but all of us mesh so freaking well. Mm -hmm. yeah. Oh no, I agree. I mean, There's the, the, the camaraderie that we have, like, like even just watching other people's scenes it's just like because we're fans we're fans of our own you know our own yeah. stuff we are our own biggest fans <laughs> pretty much well i like Screw i you, also Alec. like that we can give each other immense amounts of shit like the uh last episode the length of time to break into the car <laughs> like that whole discussion just kills me and I guess as a GM, that part of that balance is is on me, because I never want to feel like I'm railroading anybody or like forcing a certain outcome. Like I want the dice to have an effect, because if the dice don't have an effect to me, then we don't need them. We just sit around and tell a story. Um, but since we're playing a TTRPG, I want the tabletop to have an effect. And sometimes when y'all roll bad, then I'm like, oh, I'm sorry, this happens, and we're gonna spend another 20 minutes on a freaking car. <laughs> I mean, but it brings variety. If you were mm -hmm. to roll yep. great every time, mm -hmm. it's it's gonna create like everything's happy and perfect in my world, and not like you know, Cirkin crashing his car. Yeah. And 
bumping his head and causing that whole chaos and comedic scene and uh the whole scene between you two where you reach into his pocket and that created a moment um i just feel like if we're constantly rolling great or there's like great rolls there's no comedic part there's no bad things that happen that cause us to role play because i don't know about you guys like my goal is like to great tell a great story and i know mm-hmm. like when you when you guys sit and talk and play off me that despite those roles we we create a great moment kit do you have a favorite bad role oh <laughs> since we've shared our favorite bad role oh, oh. there's been <laughs> lots of them I'm trying to think what was the worst one oh hmm um i think the role that I remember that was really bad for you, that I was like, damn, that sucks, was when in episode seven, Regal Ransack, when you were searching the apartment. For anything for Nan. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And you rolled A? <laughs> it was a zero. A zero. Yeah. It was a zero. But a honestly, zero. I, I think if I had rolled anything great... I would have like my character would have something done something totally different and it would not have led to the boys coming to the apartment. Imagine if she had read that message alone. I would have gone looking. Yeah. Uh Spitting spitting on me and punching me wouldn't be the least of what she Yeah. Because I had I had the revolver or whatever it was. Oh, yeah. So uh-huh. in my, you know how Theo kept saying to me, like, don't work, don't act on your emotions. Don't act on your emotions. It could have been much worse or it could have gone a totally different route. Um, do you think I would have been able to find Zirkin? Maybe. But, but you know, <clears throat> rolling bad led to a whole great storyline where we came together and eventually met up with at the apartment. So I think rolling bad isn't always a bad thing. I always come back to a quote and I don't know if she quoted it first or she heard it from somewhere else, but Bria Iyengar said that when you roll in like D and D or any TTRPG, it's when basically destiny and a decision come to a crossroads. And like, that's where, I, I think it's really important to let the dice tell the story because I think in this big universal muck that we're in, that kind of has a tie and has a reason that you rolled poorly. It's fake! I also, I do like that in this system, your characters are fairly squishy. Like Very. we've We've played pretty reckless with the lives of our characters at points because yeah it's it's very easy to die in this game last it, episode when terribly. you last episode when you walked up to that security booth and we're just like boom like bye sucker like yup that could have gone bad real fast Ooh, I, I was like one or two bad rolls away from that situation going a hundred percent different but i also like Big how panic. this system 
lets us back off from a fight like it would be in yeah. real life. Whereas, mm -hmm. you know, like something like D&D, you're in the fight, you try to retreat, that thing's coming after you. Mm -hmm. Or, which is not kind of like real life where like, if I'm in a bad situation, I can get myself out, hopefully. Um, yeah. Which, which I feel like helps with the role playing. Yeah, so. that's that's why we chose this system because when we started a new campaign, we wanted storytellers and a system that allowed for storytelling um, above all else. I don't know time. why I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't either. <laughs> oh, that's why I'm part time. That's why I'm part time. <laughs> no, but having your character a little uh, squishier, at least in the backstory, has actually been beneficial for me because with you sometimes needing to dip out, come back in, which happens, and that's why we have a, a larger table, so it's easier for that to happen. Yeah. Um, we can kind of mold your story to fit into whatever it needs to in order for you to stay relevant. Uh, and that, I think that was also part of the goal when I was making Al. Um, that way I had easy outs for currying purposes. I was going to ask you. Yeah, we have to. That we was have intentional. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah, it was intentional. We, we got to talk about other instances later for later on okay <laughs> so let's let's rewind the clock a little bit episode one um and this is just for me personally because i haven't asked any of you this kinds of things but when we were originally like painting the world of aurora the city here in the cloudscape um map. the map that doesn't exist yet <laughs> waiting um what were some thoughts like how did you feel what kind of what excited you what was interesting i honestly i was so nervous about my first scene i was so nervous about where you did such a great job of giving us the setting uh, giving us the ba very basics of the world, which, Bozar, I also want to commend you on your ability to world build by yes-anding the things that we just throw out in conversation and you just make them part of the world. It's great. Mm -hmm. uh, and you, so ha having that room to build the world, I was so nervous. And then my introduction is walking into a bookstore and I was like, all right, let's do this. <laughs> And you decided that it was a bookstore. Well, <laughs> I said, where would we find Circuit? You're like, yeah. uh, scholarly aspirations, probably. Yeah, probably a bookstore. But like, I just, I wasn't sure what, what to expect, you mm -hmm. know? And then getting uh, the, uh, my, my book on brains, which I've, throughout the campaign so far, I continually drop little brain information because i have the book did and then you getting like, google that... these things or did you already know yeah this? google no, doesn't when, exist um yeah when you um when i got the book on brains during that uh first session i think i quickly googled like five facts about the brain <laughs> and i actually i have i have a post-it here somewhere no way that i think has them oh yeah these are my my brain facts i can't focus it because then you'll be able to see what i haven't mentioned yet Oh, okay, but okay. I have the uh, the brain is not fully formed until 25, which is what I said to Alsvid. 
Uh, and then the joke about the brain weighing three pounds that I said to Haven. <laughs> uh -huh. Yep, just little little facts that I threw out there. That's funny. Yeah, and then of course the infamous breaking of the finger to really set the tone for who Sirkin is. That set the fucking tone. <laughs> uh, yeah, because uh, again, I miss Session Zero. Come into session one, and then I find out I have to try to pickpocket you. <laughs> well, I don't have to, but I have to. It was, but I, I really appreciated the uh, the accidental gift you gave me by having that second book be something he found. Because I, I would have had no reason to do anything to him if he weren't guilty of something. Oh yeah, that that handwritten book. Mm -hmm. uh, my journeys. Right? Yeah, that the shopkeeper said he found it, and yeah. now he sold it to you, and you turned that on, back on him. I threw that back at you so fast. <laughs> it, honestly, it was in that moment that I'm like, "Oh shit, I've got to, I've got to be smarter than I am." <laughs> I will say, interacting with this table, it. We're a pretty quick bunch. <laughs> that is true. It's daunting, honestly. I'm, I'm not. I sometimes I'm like, uh, like there's this <laughs> pause in my head of what I'm gonna oh. do next. And I'm like, this is okay. a very long, ten minute awkward silence, isn't it? I'm making this awkward. <laughs> you, well, but again, that that could also be beneficial towards like your character, though. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's true. It's, but like, I I will say, yeah, babe, you and I probably aren't at the quickest. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> I, I come from a background where it's very combat heavy. Like, um, we play D and D, and we've we, thanks to Bozer and you know uh, T, we've started reaching out to other TTRPGs because we've seen how great they are. Um, but we're very combat heavy, like in the in the things that we've played. So role playing was secondary. So mm -hmm. coming here and role playing has broken me out of my shell. And since I've started here, I've at least played at least four other characters outside of my realm. Um, and wow. it's kind of, yeah, it's kind of uh, just, I am no longer in that caster shell. Like I've branched out and I won't lie. I attribute it to this campaign because- Awesome. So <laughs> I've, uh, so, you know, no, I, I, I love tuning into your Let's Get Rolling campaign and hearing, I think I, I said your voice sounds like a, a creepy Uncle Dumbledore. <laughs> but I, won't, I won't lie, I based that off a of Haven <gasps> because your voices inspire me. <laughs> your voices inspire me and I was like, I'm going to give this character a voice. I'm going to give this character a voice because I never do. Yeah. I never give characters a voice because then I can't keep it. And I was like, how does Bozer do it? How does he remember, you know, Tabitha's voice and then switch to Haven's voice and, you know, Nan's voice? I was like, how does he keep them straight in his head? Because I forget week to week, like, how I would do that voice. <laughs> Honestly, it's, it, you'll, you'll notice that it's only like key NPCs or NPCs that I feel like are going to keep coming back. Then for me, it helps them to have a voice because then it colors their personality. Oh, yeah. And then I can instantly kind of pop into their their mindset. But like the randos on the street, they got nothing. <laughs> well, it helps. Your background definitely helps. Yeah, for sure. 
Yeah. It's kind of it's kind of your job. It's a big deal. <laughs> and honestly, as GMing, that was one of my favorite things that I was looking forward to. It was like, oh, I can't wait to do all these fun voices and seeing, like, yeah. pushing myself as a voice actor. When when uh, we decided that you were going to GM, I was like, oh, this is, this is he's going to do great. Like, he's going to do fine with all the world building, all the character aspects. I was worried about the rules. And then we we landed on this. And I, cause what rules? It, yeah, we landed on fate, and it was like I was like, oh, this this is gonna be right up his alley. This is gonna be perfect. Yeah. Well, I, good. I'm not a rules. Okay, so like Rule playing cool, something baby. like D and D is very rule heavy, and to try to remember them all and what you've got to roll and stuff was always my downfall. Playing something like this, and you know, it's it's loosey goosey, but it's. But there's like a, you know, a, a center. Structure. Yeah, there's a yeah. there's a structure to it where it's instead of like, hey, roll a D20 plus this plus plus this plus this because you're doing this and you're like, okay, how did we get here? It's rather <laughs> like, hey, roll your crafts and like I have a plus four. So like I just roll two D6 and add because I'm I'm horrible at math. So, you know, being able to Same. roll and and it just well. I use digital dice, unlike everyone else. Um, <laughs> um, but I would be able to do it had I actual have physical dice compared to something like D&D &D where you're like, okay, there's a modifier plus this, plus this, plus this. So, you know. What is that, Lucas? Dice it's tray. A, it's, a, it's my, I printed this oh. on my wonderful 3D printer. That's so nice. Oh. I... I want. I need one, please. <laughs> I have the files. I gotta get it back up and running. But I plan on uh, printing for the new campaign I'm playing because I am also stepping out more. Uh, I played a barbarian warlock for three years, so um, wow, that's I'm, been a long time. I'm, we're starting. We're starting this new campaign. I'm playing a cleric for the first time. I'm playing nice. more of a face character this time. Oh yeah, nice. So, but I plan on creating. Um, 3D printed dice holders for my whole group. That's so, so nice. I have a bow, a dagger, sword. So cool. Um, I'm gonna try and make like the sen uh, devouty sensor. Gonna be a lot make, of cool stuff. Hopefully, you gotta make these. It's dice timeouts. <laughs> I do. I do. I'm so upset, guys. Just to throw a tangent out there, I bought a new set of dice for this campaign because I do it for every new character, right? And they're I'm playing a Twilight Cleric, so I, I got liquid core dice. Nice. And, it, and it's like stars and cool looking. That's and I'm like, cool. all right, cool. I rolled seven nat ones in our first session. And I was and like, like, trash. I was like, oh, in the no. trash. I gotta, I'm using these all this campaign. <laughs> Does the liquid core affect it? Like, if you salt so, them, will they? Yeah, so we, we <laughs> tested it. Because we, we, after the session, um, after one shot we did, uh, we tested it. And no, they're they're balanced. I just had really bad luck with these dice. <laughs> just trash rolls, man. I was so upset. Oh. But then you just use it to build the character. <laughs> it, yeah, you, yes, it'd be a good time. You, yes, and your bad rolls. So speaking of bad rolls um, and changing things on the fly, uh, we've gotten some great questions from the audience. All of our communities kind of pulled together a little bit in our Discord and then also on our Instagrams. But uh, we got one good question from, well, multiple good questions, but focusing on this one from Farles Barkley, everyone's favorite Farles. 
Uh, he said, let me get to it. Um, how hard is it to pivot for uses of fate points? Because early on in episode two, after we met the perpetrator that blew out the window and escaped from the Institute of Progress, and you guys cornered this person in the alley, like in my mind, this is a terrorist. It's you're all going to fight them and we're going to have a reason to come together because you went through something together. And then Josh used a fate point, <laughs> which you get three an episode. Your your normal base pool is three and you use those to invoke your aspects. But also you can use one to create a story detail as long as the GM and the other players agree on it. And Josh, what did you use your fate point to do? I used my fate point to create the story aspect that uh, Liana was Theo's goddaughter because of his excessively high yep. roll. Yeah, he rolled very well on connection. So he's like, yeah, you know this person. And you're like, actually, I know, you know him so well. This person's your goddaughter. And I saw, fuck, they're not going to fight this person now. What do we do? Um, but for me, that's, I had to pivot and... And this kind of goes into another question, Farls, on how much ahead do I plan each episode? Is it loose? Is it structured? Especially in this kind of campaign, when you can use fate points to completely create some, like, almost a pillar. Like, that was becoming now a pillar of the story. Um, like, it has to be loose. It has to be just, like, I go into each episode thinking, okay, here's some possible things if they go this direction. Maybe some like tent poles is essentially what how I, I have to build it, and then you guys run through and kick all the tent poles down. <laughs> oh no! But My no, table, it's it's broken. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but then it it creates almost like a, a separate timeline. It's even better than anything I could have come up alone because we're doing it together as a table. Like last episode when I was like, I'm spending a fate point for the key to drop from the visor so because grateful. I couldn't see Elsbeth struggle anymore. It was so funny. <laughs> yeah, like, again, talk yeah. about talk about the guy. I I am the master at that, and I rolled so bad. <laughs> I was like, like is I my, top breaking my top thing, my top skill, is what? What is your top skill? Burglary. Yeah. And you couldn't even get this car started. <laughs> so I was really grateful for that. The fact you made the key there. I was like, thank God. I was like, um, I, was like I can't see this struggle anymore. To spend. It's, it's so hard sometimes because we're, I, as players, we're not used to having so much power. Mm -hmm. So we sometimes forget that we do have the ability to deus ex machina a little bit within reason. I think also I like how... Bozer lets us help create mm -hmm. the world. Yeah. Whereas, you know, like in so many campaigns I've been in, and this is not to talk bad about my DMs because my DM's my husband. Um, <laughs> you know, you go into this world that's already pre-structured. Like the NPCs have names and, you know, uh, places have names and, you know, where you're going or what you're doing is kind of a little bit pre-planned and you're kind of Kind of like, uh, what is it? 
railroaded? Funneled, yeah. yeah. Funneled well, or railroaded. Like, railroaded into like, when we do it. Mm-hmm. When he does it, it's funneled. Yeah. <laughs> uh, into, yeah. you know, like fighting something or mm-hmm. going on this specific adventure where here it's just like, what do you guys want to do today? Like, kind of, kind of stuff. And I, I love that that's the journey we're on. So, um, and I, I love that I've deceived you into thinking that's how it's working. <laughs> Actually, uh, I said I love that I've like deceived a sandbox. you. Um, uh, it's uh, it's funny, and I, I hope it's not too sandboxy because sometimes, sometimes it's Mm-mm. it can get no. too sandboxy where things are too big, and you're like, I have no, no. But to that decisions. point, it's interesting that you think that I'm letting you. Do you guys hear me? Am I like yeah. super delayed? A little no, delayed. You were a little fuzzy, but okay, not crazy. Going down. Okay. <laughs> no, you're fine. There was like ten whole seconds where I was, we were all talking over each other, and I was like, I don't think I, they can hear me now. <laughs> Cut that out. Um, but it's interesting that you think that I'm that loosey goosey because to me, I feel like I'm, like I have these structures in my mind and. I guess what you don't know is some of these NPCs that you're running into, I have already created. Um, not every NPC, but like I, like the Arch Luminaries, they've all existed from the beginning. Um, Nayan has existed from the beginning, but that was because of your backstory. Mm-hmm. Um, Haven, the Golds. Actually, you know what? I got a question for you because I think that, so. Yeah. I when we gave you backstories. So part of Kieran Gold, like that's, I, I think you you named him Kieran. I think I just said the Golds in my like backstory when I when I sent it. So that was also cool to see how I just said the Gold family and you fleshed so much of that out, which is so cool. And uh, the addition of Haven is a completely you creation. Haven was never involved in anything. So like it was really cool to build that like, the give and take of that world of crime we created. And I don't know, it was just cool to like roll with a wholly new, you being able to bring a wholly new character into that backstory that I was, that was so easy to weave into that. Yeah. And do you remember the golds weren't either of our idea or maybe it was, but it was in a, a world building stream. It was like on a, a Thursday or some random day where I was just going live. I was planning some world building and I was like, guys, come to the chat and, and help me. And so people showed up and th- I was like, they like, we need like a crime family. Um, and I don't know if, it, I know you popped in there, Josh, mm-hmm. but I don't know if it was your suggestion or somebody else's, but I was like, okay, what's their name? And they're like, Golds. Yeah, they like money. I, that was me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I guess the Golds was your creation. Yeah. But it was so interesting that it was almost like community built and now it's like a major plot structure in right. the game. Mm-hmm. And I, I just love that. I love it so much. It's like a big, it's like it doesn't belong to any of us. It belongs to all of us. Well, and yeah. that being said, so like, uh, again, I miss Session Zero. I miss Session Two. Um, realistically, four and like seven and. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but the fact that you know he spent a fate point to make that the goddaughter. Mm-hmm. Um, I totally would have my first instinct if I was at session two would be to try to smuggle that person away from the whole party in some, some form of maybe uh, trying to get 
some comp uh huh, compensation or like using them know, as a blackmail theo <laughs> Well, Are we getting it, a secret motivation here? Well, no, it's just my first instinct. Probably, like, if I was to run up, I'd be like, all right, look, I'll get you out of here, but you're going to owe me big. And, depend- and then that would have brought me again full circle oh, back man. around to Theo after learning some things. Interesting. So it's it's very interesting how these like the story would have gone. Because, you know, if that wasn't, a person if that didn't become his goddaughter uh who knows that yeah that person would have been someone else it's fake would i have hit nan in the leg with um a pint? <laughs> well lord only knows speaking of nan let's just talk about nan for a moment uh if you were to describe your feelings about nan in one word on the count of three, I'm going to point and you say it. Got it. One, two, three. Admirable. Spongy. Who? <laughs> <laughs> You've never met Nan, have you? No. <laughs> I only so know funny. of Nan. There's so That's much so pressure funny. on the first time you meet Nan now. The community is going to be watching for this. <laughs> And watch, Al's gonna be the one to find Nan. <laughs> oh shit! <clears throat> Who are you? He's not gonna even notice Saber. Right, and, and, and we'll all, I'll throw this in there. Uh, you are a very like gentle, like out of this like crime world person, and my one of my aspects is looking out for the little guy, and you're just trying to survive. So that's the motivation, though. Like, hey, I'm. I'll I'll be looking and I'll be doing this out of the kindness of my heart because I'm Robin Hood. Yeah, well, can I? Ask and I might you, need some things fixed eventually. Can I ask you an Al-related question? Yeah. What What does it take to get Al's investment in something? Like what? Because he's very very aloof. He tries to keep his hands clean so that he can kind of get his hand in every pie. Like. Or do you know Al's like this is too far? I would, I'd go to bat for this. Oh, I think there, there is. I play out like very like neutral, Mm -hmm. and I want to get into everything, like you said. But I think that uh, when it comes to like major like controlling of certain areas or uh, like big government like taking over like really really like bearing down it's that hey empire is coming you can only do so much to you know skirt around this eventually you're gonna have to like push and pick that side and i think uh with certain discoveries al is more and more coming and picking and choosing certain sides to stay on Mm. Um, so if the empire comes, you know, if I can just to leave it, leave it as vague as possible, it's, it'll be a a switching point. Yeah. Cause I don't think I know what side you would pick right now. I really don't. Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to play everybody as much as I can. (laughs) You're going to end up being the big bad. (laughs) 
I do, but I do I understand that as as Al's motivation essentially like boiling it down the freedom freedom is what Al is entirely about. So I like freedom. that any any threat to individualism and freedom like really gets under his skin. I think that's cool. Oh yeah, individualism, freedom. <laughs> How to get Lucas to get invested? How to get Lucas to show? I know. You know what question <laughs> I am excited to find the answer to is the psychic monster. <laughs> Uh huh. <laughs> I mean, I mean, that looks like some freedom being taken away. It, it yeah, it, it definitely. If it, you look, I think if you look back, that like really shook me, and I was like, oh yeah, no, no, no. oh no, no, no. I it was clear that was that a big moment. pivot. <laughs> I saw it in all of you, and we're yeah. talking about episode seven, Regal Ransack, when um, the Sigurd's Reach was doing a run on the Royal Storehouse with the help in league with the Gold family who have hooked him up with some special resources, one of which being a secret weapon that even Sigurd's Reach didn't know it was in the back of the truck until they open it. And this X-powered super telekinetic being came floating out of the truck and utterly ripped through the light guard. Um, I was excited at that moment because I could see it in your faces. Some of you were like, Oh shit, X can do what now? But then also, oh shit, Golds can do what now? <laughs> and I was well, like, okay, okay. It even like uh like that whole episode, you can see where I'm I'm trying to play that fine line in, in Sigurd's reach, and I was like, I I don't think I can mess with them too much anymore. And that creates that connection with Waylon. Hmm. So what was all your thoughts when you first met? that X-powered mutation. Well, kind of going back to what we talked about earlier about our characters being squishy, it, what I, one of the things that that makes more real is unlike D&D where you have, you know, different varieties of magic monster you're facing because we're so, we're squishy mortal people seeing something that powerful and knowing that if we did decide to take it on right then that thing would have killed us all a hundred percent it it rated those stakes become so real so fast and it was like all right we know there are things this dangerous in the world and now we gotta watch our step the the nice thing about like fake court is it's not there's no levels like you don't mm -hmm. you don't level up to get to like this you know like as a DD &D character you level up you level up you get more spells you get more these things and it's not it's not that with fate core it's more evolving as a character um mm -hmm. which i feel once you know because because at milestones we can flip some stuff out um especially when it comes to our stunts um so I feel like as we grow into our character more, we'll figure out what, you know, works for us best. So when we come up against, when we're ready to fight the, the big bad, um, <clears throat> I feel like we're in our own when it comes to that. Um, and we'll have stunts kind of fleshed out more because, you know, the ones you start with aren't the ones you end with. Um, maybe. I guess I think yeah. I, it, it, de it depends on the person, but like, I, the character. yeah. And I already know, like, 
like I've flipped one because like of how much she's evolved already in the first eight episodes. What did you flip? Um, maybe I haven't. Maybe it's coming. Oh, in the you next plan few to? <laughs> yes. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> my bad. My bad. Um, like, because right now its bite is bigger than my bark, mm -hmm. and Kit's finding her voice. Um, and she's no longer just a fight. Like she's more into using her voice to speak up for herself. So. And it's interesting that the people that taught you that. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I think it's likely. One to... of my f my favorite early scenes is the the meeting at the hammered glass. Yes. Let's talk about that for a second. I did not ex Okay. I I half expected Sirkin to be the one I was meeting. Did you really? But also I was like, it's not him. It's not going to be like that. It's not. It's not going to be him. It's going to be like Kieran or someone big that like, that's, you know, the build up to it. But then when it was him, I was like, okay, let's go. <laughs> um, it was a pleasant surprise. To my, not to my character though. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, a little but, behind the scenes on that, that was something that was set up from even session one. Yep. You received an invitation kit or your Nan received an invitation to meet with somebody. Um, and Josh and I were in on that. He knew that he was meeting somebody, but he'd even, uh, Sirkin didn't really know who he was supposed to meet, right? No. Yeah. I, I knew that I was meeting a family member. Mm -hmm. And so it was so fun to watch your expression when you were there, you were so anxious. And then I said, okay, Sirkin or Josh, who comes in? <laughs> and, and you know, like I was kind of thinking of it in my head. If it's him, I was like, okay, I can do this. I can role play off this. But like, especially because I had already had an, like Kit had already had an interaction with him. She was in his car. Was she in his car? Yeah, she was mm -hmm. already in mm -hmm. his car. Episode so, one. so like the fact that like he knew where she lived all this stuff was like, I think that was the most surprising part. Like, if he already knew where she lived, like, why didn't he just show up at her house to talk to her? And that was the thing. I was like, okay, th then it's not him. It's not him. He knows where she lives, all this stuff. And then when he was there, she was like, you son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> so I, and and that was one of the most, I think that was the first time that Kit really was put up against the forces that would come in the future. Um, I think this is the first time she really saw how bad things could get in the sense of, oh, there's actually really shitty people out there. Like, like my, like all these forces out there that she, cause for a while she was like, oh, the world is good the world is peachy and then her dad left and she's like oh it was just my dad my dad left because my dad left not because the world sucks the world sucks <laughs> um so so she's starting like i said earlier to see the world with new lenses 
big like, googly-eyed goggle lenses. Yeah. <laughs> these like these blinders have been on for so long that she's kind of like blocked this out. And I, I it's to me like she left she lived in a world where she was fixing cars for people. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't think that she would have picked up on it, but I believe her dad kind of sheltered her from that. So when he left, that's when the blinders started being there was, there was no more protective wall around you. Yeah. I mean, there was Nan, but she didn't have her hand in the business. So. Just wait till you figure out birds aren't real. Holy shit. <laughs> well, like, the that scene, one of the things that I think is so great about that scene, and I want to just take a quick second to thank Britt and Lucas, uh, because playing with a character that is as hyper-violent as Serkin... It means like when we have these interactions, I really appreciate the amount of trust that the people I'm in scenes with give me to know that I'm not like I'm I'm not crossing that line. Like we'll walk up to it and we'll go for it all day. But uh, like I appreciate that because that our scene got pretty intense. The uh, having the security guy walk out of the bar. Like I wanted to do as much to make Kit feel as as small and powerless as possible in that moment and i appreciate that you recognized that that was the goal and you really steered into it and got to put and you put that exclamation point with the breakdown cry on the way home it just Mm -hmm. capped it off so beautifully yeah and and i feel like despite us not knowing each other that well i feel like our characters trust the other person knowing Mm -hmm. that we're not going to cross that line of like making our character do something that's unlike our character. Do you know what I mean? Like kids not going to walk up to Sirkin and give him a hug. That's just (laughs) not, at least not like, you know, not yet. Not yet. (laughs) Who knows? Kit might break him a little, Um, but you know, like it's not like, she's got this ooey gooey center for them right now mm-hmm. um you guys have seen like she started to trust people and then she found out that Sirkin was looking for her dad and could be part of why nan is missing and so she's started to kind of open up to these people despite their backgrounds and despite what she knew about them and then information like that was given and she was like mm-mm Nope, there's no love for these people. But we'll see what happens because I I feel like Kit's Kit is the ooey gooey to your stone cold rock. Like I feel like in this group at least. Um like Bozer has called me the moral compass. <laughs> I mean kind of, yeah. Not I mean, just I Kit, Brit. Brit is our moral compass. <laughs> We're we're breaking your innocence. You're you're again. You're that outside person learning and coming into this like world of crime that you goes unseen for the most part. And mm-hmm. all of us have our own you know stake in this underground. And you're like, what? I had no idea this was a thing or this yeah. was a. And well, it's also interesting because the Brett, the way you mentioned that like noticing the world being worse than you ever thought it was i guess sometimes i even i forget that Sirkin is what maybe a few years older than your dad like so in in those intense moments you're sitting next to somebody who is at least physically and age-wise would be like a peer of your 
your father. And so seeing that how how bad an adult the same age as your dad can be Mm -hmm. makes that reality sink in a little. And as much... And as much as you, I feel like you guys are rub starting to rub off on like your characters rubbing off on Kit. I feel like Kit might eventually rub off on y'all a little bit too, because I think it goes both ways. I don't think that the the bad just seeps into the good. The good can seep into the bad as well. And you know what's really interesting, and I'm having this memory right now, is when I was first kind of world building, I had in this, in my head, this image of a character, before any of you told me who your characters are, just this image of a character of a young girl. She had like some reddish hair and she was living happily in this world, but then soon discovers that it's not quite what she expected it to be. And on complete accident, you created that character in in your own very unique way. It's not exactly... Um, yeah. But I just realized, I'm like, oh my god, that character actually exists in this world. Yeah. And it was just like an archetype to, as I was fleshing out some things. It had this like <laughs> anime in my mind of Cloudscape. Yeah. Oh, I, I just made a connection that I think would be fun to point out. Um, because we were talking about how our characters are kind of treat each other. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking about how with Sirkin and Kit's relationship is a lot about that kind of respect the kind of, there's like a, a weird respect of boundaries um and like a twisted sense of honesty i guess and i realized that the the gift brit that you gave me to let Sirkin be able to approach kit that way was breaking nan's foot because until that point there was i we hadn't interacted enough i i, I had nothing to kind of like project a level of respect for this person and because of who Sirkin is as a person that's a problem (laughs) and so you doing that gave me such a gift to make Kit someone that Sirkin can immediately like yeah I like this (laughs) and I I won't lie I left that session after like you know Nan is fiction Nan is like (laughs) Nan (laughs) <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like Nan is not one of us playing a character. I mean, yes, it's it's you playing the character, but also it's like I felt so guilty leaving that table and being like I just broke an old woman's foot. I just broke an old woman's foot. Like, oh jeez, oh oh gosh, oh golly. Like and I was I'm like a oh, golly. <laughs> I was I, I left and I like walked upstairs and was talking to my husband and I was like, That was an interesting first session. Like was it first or second that I broke her foot? That was second. Second. second well I left that session, I was like, Okay, we're two episodes in and I'm already breaking people um like and he's like wasn't that what's supposed to happen was like not my character i was like (laughs) 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 and and hearing because i normally play at the table with my husband so he hears everything that goes on so when i come upstairs he's like okay tell me what happened and i'm like i can't you'll have to wait Uh, (laughs) but you know like coming out of that and just being like i just hurt someone like because me personally, 
I am a big empath and like it is my life goal to not inconvenience or hurt other people. So I was like, Ugh! so um, I struggled a lot after that session. I'm just letting you know. Um, just you know. look at what a gift that turned out to be. Because you've referenced that several times as circuit. You keep yeah. coming back to that mm -hmm. point, and and I guess until right now, I didn't realize how pivotal it was. And really, like you stomped on a foot. But I had you roll for it, and because the dice decided that it you hit her pretty good, then it affected the rest of the campaign. Mm -hmm. It's just wild. I'm, I'm realizing how much the dice have really created this story. It had a huge mm -hmm. hand in it. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. It's like what you said earlier, there's, there's these tentpole paths. We always knew a meeting was going to happen between Sirkin and someone at the Hammered Glass. Mm -hmm. But how we got there, like there could have been tons of different ways. If that interaction had gone different, the conversation Sirkin and Kit had would have, the tone would have been completely different. It's it's wild. And I didn't know if Nan was gonna end up going, if you'd go with Nan, if you'd go in her stead. I had a feeling that if you could, you'd go in her stead, but I was ready for any of it. Yeah. Well, not ready, but open to it. Yeah. I, I wonder how differently that would have gone if I had given Nan the note. Would would she have disappeared ultimately? Be I don't know. I guess it's up to Zirkin. Because we talked about this, like, um, you walked into Haven's house and saw the picture of, you know, you and I talking in the garage. Uh -huh. And, you know... I became that point person after that conversation. You know, you weren't going to Nan to ask questions. You were coming to me to ask questions. Mm -hmm. So I wonder if she would have been taken if she was your point person. Yeah, you probably would have been taken. Yeah. Yeah. God, fucking Haven. Because you remember <laughs> that original note was addressed to Nan, but said basically, if you don't comply, then bad things will happen. And it had a picture of you, Kit, in the mm -hmm. note. Yeah. So I think that's exactly what, would, or some harm would have come towards you mm -hmm. as leverage. But yeah. Haven realized it's like, oh, okay. So how do I motivate Sirkin to work faster? Take the or love of his life. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know that. I don't know that knows, or Haven knows that. Oh uh, God, the Nan love. <laughs> well, I guess the new, next merch is hashtag Team Nan shirts. Oh, is anybody but, not on Team Nan? I also I love that that bit played off exactly how I wanted to in the start of episode two. As I start describing, I turn the corner and see this beautiful creature and watching the replay, getting to watch your face as you're like, what is he doing? <laughs> yeah. He's a child. <laughs> I was <laughs> like, this is, this is the second time playing with him. What is he doing? Uh, uh. <laughs> and that was like know. the relief that I felt. I was like, oh, okay, cool. I was like, <laughs> I, speaking of random notes uh, from my, this is a uh, note from our session. I'm going to cover this because it's uh, something I haven't done yet, but it says, fall in love with Nan. 
<laughs> that was on my to-do list. Oh, I, I'm not. I'm going to share this. Circan idioms. Oh. Oh, boy. What's on that list? <laughs> I can't tell. Because they're all from I, the next episode. I say a lot of things in a lot of different episodes. Yeah. And oh, I don't yeah. always think about what I'm saying until it's done. Until it's yep. out of your mouth. Yeah. Yep. So Speaking of notes... Um, some question that you actually got, Josh, through Dairy Public mm -hmm. Radio's community. Uh, somebody had a question. What are notes that we've kept, but we don't know what they mean anymore? <laughs> and I actually have, I'm surprised at myself how organized I am. Well, organized. It's like a slew of index cards. I've got a huge stack here because when with this game, like anytime you enter in a new combat scenario, there's like, scenario or situation aspects that I'm supposed to be throwing in, but I'm not great at that, so <laughs> I'm using them more as note cards than anything and quick NPCs. Um, most of these for me are like player cards real quick, like I add a, put the name, add some aspects, put some skills on them real quick. Um, oh, we haven't gotten there. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but from the first eight episodes, oh, that's from a geek out slash. That's that's not this at all. Those are notes well, still. Yeah, <laughs> it doesn't have to pertain to this. Actually, probably um, should. <laughs> one one note that I I picked up from the chat during a Twitch stream was uh, tower maintenance. Who maintains the tower? Because this isn't a floating city. This is literally held up by a structure underneath you. And how is that maintained? Oh. If nobody goes down to the planet level, at least none that we know of or is spoken of. So what if there's a problem in <laughs> the tower? What happened? Shit. Jeez. I never even considered that. <laughs> and then, of course, this one. <laughs> You're well prepared and well done in advance, Doodle. It's yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a speech bubble world with strings. <laughs> it is, though. That's terrific. That is a Wayland's mask that he ordered from Tomas. Oh, no, Truman. Tomas is somebody else. I have I have a note that when I... Cause, um, I edit the music on and cuts um, sometimes on videos. God and, bless you. And there was a note and it was like, watch out for tea for last episode. And I was like, watch out for tea. And there was no, like there was a time on it and I w went to the time and it wasn't, there was nothing there. And it wasn't until we watched back Thursday's episode. And he goes, who are you looking good for? And I was like, oh, shit, I forgot to edit that out. And I was like, oh, my God, Bozer, I'm so sorry. He's like, no, it's fine. So but, like, getting a glimpse of every... Because I won't lie, I have met none of these in, these people in person. And, like, getting a glimpse of y'all's lives, like, just, you know, like, you'll see a dog in the background. Or you'll see a cat. Or... You know, you'll hear T talk to Sky, or you know, more tongue next time. From oh, <laughs> you'll hear footsteps above me as my kid is running through the living room. <laughs> you know, just getting a glimpse of you guys' lives um, 
because we don't know each other in person um is beautiful i just want to say that um so I, like I do too um because when you said that on thursday i was like He's right because people don't know us really outside of like you know our communities mm -hmm. or outside of like this game or character that we're playing so i mean getting to know like josh talk about his child like outside of like you know the normalcy just kind of brings it back to like oh yeah like we're more than just our characters so um we're yeah. seeing the doggy jump up on lucas <laughs> yeah he's out oh. there our Discord's gonna get uh, my daughter in her flower girl dress from the wedding this past weekend as soon Aww. as they get those photos. Aww. Believe yeah. you me, she was adorable. Oh, goodness. Yeah, getting to know each other has, I, I think, because like I knew T and Bose are going into this, um, but I didn't know you guys. And so getting to know you guys has been like, I won't lie, I say to Bozer all the time, Saturday is my favorite day of the week because I get to play with you guys. So. Because we record on Saturdays, but we air them on Thursdays, not to confuse yeah. anybody. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's become like one of my favorite things uh, to do. So. Ditto. Yeah, it's a Big nice ditto. it's a nice break from like work in the week. And you're like, ah, oh, I get to like wake up. Yeah, I have I can't sleep in, but I get to play with some amazing people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's what geeking out is meant to do, right? Like the reason this, I think the reason that all of our communities exist is because we all need that moment away from our real lives just to escape and to lean into something that has no consequences. It's just fun. It's just the pure love of telling a story or Stephen King or just TTRPGs in general and just like the geek culture. And that's why I love Four Geeks by Geeks because I get to kind of live in it all the time. Like my escape is anytime I scroll on our Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a, like I said, an es it, it is an escape. Um, like you get to, but like I make, cons I make choices in this game, but they don't really have consequences in my everyday life. And I get to be, a whole different person like i know shit about cars <laughs> like but my character she's a whiz and it, it, it's just fun can i ask you a question on that sure. uh, because in city of miss i was the fixer i was the mechanic i was the artificer <laughs> basically and as soon as i first made that decision i was like shit i don't know anything about machines mm -hmm. and so like trying to describe how i'm doing these and how i'm creating these machine creations like uh i immediately got tongue-tied so yeah. like is that a problem for you how are you navigating that what would you um, say to somebody that's trying an artificer for the first time um especially in a in a makeup fantasy world things don't have to be what they are like we're playing with these newfangled cars there might not even be anything really under the hood. There might just be, you know, some wires and whatever. It doesn't have to be an actual car. So make stuff up. Make stuff up. It's, you know, sure. Like my character was used to like doing real cars, like old cars, but like 
what's under the hood it glows you know what i mean we talked about like <laughs> how the under undercarriage of a car glows like this hueish purple mm -hmm. um and you know it runs on x so it's it's a it's a different world and we're all making shit up as we go make more up like i like i don't know what what else to say like you guys don't know you guys yeah. don't know what's under the hood yeah i don't know i yeah. sure don't know i didn't make that part <laughs> yep so Till somebody like, asks me the dingle hopper goes next to the you know the newfangled schmangle bangle you know no one knows it could be real it could be fake it's totally real every car has one of those. i need you to replace my spangle bangle in my car okay you're, that's you're, what the light pole crushed <laughs> broke my spangle bangle in half and then and then if that didn't break the fire broke Everything. Yeah. Well, you gotta get Everything. rid of evidence. You know what? You know, I'm glad. I'm glad my gun is safe. <laughs> Man, I cannot wait for. Uh, however, the day Sirkin figures out who you are. <laughs> Sirkin doesn't remember. I... Oh no, because you were concussed. I, yeah, I got. I got rocked. When you first met Osvid, you never saw his face. You just hear his voice, and you said, I make a mental note of his voice. And then the first time you come face to face, you just got rocked by Wayland. And so you rolled terribly. And My narrative concussion <laughs> that we just steered uh -huh. into. Uh huh. My extras literally say switchblade, and then it says gun? Question <laughs> mark? <laughs> gun exclamation point. Oh, jeez. We wondered where my giant hand cannon revolver went. Now we know. Yeah, I want to know from Alsvid, because you're such a pickpocket. And um, I know that in future episodes, you might pickpocket some more. What's what's the fav what's Alvis, Alsvid's favorite thing that he's stolen from somebody in his time of being a real Um, Well, stealing is bad, so I only acquire things. Oh, okay. <laughs> um... <laughs> Um, the heart of Nan. That's what he's really after. <laughs> I'm You've got on her it. physical heart. I'm working on it. That's where I'm she working is. Working on it. You know, I have to meet her first. <laughs> <laughs> I do. Hey, I just want you to know, one of my stunts is sly guy. I, I'll, I'll throw that Riz on there. Well, uh, you're my age. So. Don't <laughs> hey so. But do you have a... Have you ever had a sweet old black lady call you sugar? <laughs> it it's a wonderful good. feeling. All it right? feels real good. It feels real good. I grew up in a church, y'all. It feels real good. <laughs> um, ooh, what would probably be the... Hmm. I'm forcing backstory on you, I know. I don't... I don't know if his favorite thing would have necessarily been pickpocketed okay i would say um probably maybe some things go missing while smuggling some stuff mm -hmm. um and so i i i assume i may or may not have a, a collection of various items in a storage locker somewhere for safekeeping i think although the the thing that al uses the most he, he probably 
snagged that board right out of the shop and just throwed <laughs> it right out of the shop. The hoverboard? Yes, sir. I'm, Where did I'm you gonna... get it? Um, it's called uh, Zoomies. No, <laughs> <laughs> but it, it it's not Z U M. It's uh literally Z O O. Like when a dog gets excited. Oh yeah. Uh, I guarantee you, I'm just going to put this out there right now. The first time we see Al's home, apartment, wherever he lives, this fate point is filling it with Hummel figurines. That is... Wait. That is the... Like, the, that, that is his secret when he smug, steals things from smuggling. <laughs> They're like little, like, cupie figurines. <laughs> that Jeez. line is all out. I'm getting the collection, man. Yeah. Save We're it. Alive. They're old world artifacts. Look, I'm, it's like in Fallout. I'm picking up all the Vault Boys. Yeah. There you go. Oh, Jesus. Oh, can yeah. I? Uh, because this is a conversation that was just between uh, Bozer and Lucas. Because Al wasn't in episode two, we all, we had the, you know, to settle the pickpocket scenario. How did you guys land on leaving my the the note that was left the stealing my gun what like what was that conversation so uh we were talking and i i remember i was like um no i i'm thoroughly chilled like that, <laughs> that <laughs> i was like i'm not can he goes would you confront like would you wait for him i was like uh-uh no i'm not taking the car either uh-uh it's too much it's too big you're gonna notice someone will find it i was like but i can't say I wouldn't look through it. <laughs> and I don't remember. Did did you tell me to leave the note, or did I just add that? Um, I think I think we discussed it. I I don't remember if I said I didn't I didn't say anything like pertinent to the note. I was like, but I would probably leave something to let him know that like the key is there. Mm -hmm. But some <laughs> some homeless guys got your uh, money clip. <laughs> like he wanted him to know that the person that that he had been pickpocketed and you were the one that left it for him yeah it, it's not like, by chance it was this is i was atoning for some sins there <clears throat> without <laughs> without pain <laughs> so what did sirkin think when he when he saw that note like realizing only moments before that you had been pickpocketed at all <laughs> Yeah, right. <laughs> and then seeing the stolen keys on your front seat with that note, what did you? Yeah. What went through Sirkin's mind? If I remember right, uh, that was one of those another opportunity that I took to make a mental note of respecting the power it took to pull something like this off, but then also remembering that it will have to be paid for eventually. So it actually, like, unbeknownst, like. That mental note is, I want to find who did this because I want to, bef I want to save him and befriend him. Like that is, it's kind of like the relationship I have with Wayland, where because he was the first person that I created a brand new person, I was so attached to him and like I wanted to keep him and I was so sad that he was destroyed. I wanted to keep him. Yeah, I am slowly turning into Sid from Toy Story, as I are, say. It. I'm sorry. Are you collecting us as figures? Yeah. yeah. Uh huh. One it's, thing when I when the new order 
is established and the world becomes truly at peace, people like us will be needed to make that world happen. Confirm, we're all just tools in your plot to take over the government. <laughs> oh yeah, we, without he and I sp- spoke about this months ago. <laughs> but one thing that I just remembered that never came back was uh, y- you wanted to know every piece of glass that broke from the window and who it fell on. I still want to know. Because that, that punishment has still not come to roost yet. Liana is still carrying... Or Liliana... God, I Liana. 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 Liana still carries that guilt. And... Okay, so I wonder why. Like, what kind of uh, creepy thing <laughs> you wanted from that? Twelve lashings. Okay. So for every person that fell on, you want to repay that to Liana? Uh, I For every cut from glass she will have that same amount of cuts she will carry uh the the burden (laughs) jesus so what do you think you're gonna do when you see her again if you see her again uh, do you want me to tell you exactly what i have planned because i'll tell you he's gonna no i don't don't (laughs) his dms are open i would like to sleep tonight I would. I'd like to remind. Also, remind you uh, that I swept up all that broken glass uh, from Kit's garage, and, and it's in a bag. I I remembered that you you last episode used to cut, and I was like, where did you get that glass from? And I thought it was from that moment, but no, it was swept up from the garage. Yeah, I have. I've been. I've been waiting. I w- Theo promised me I could have a conversation with her, and he denied me that conversation so that's also a thing that theo and circan will have to deal with at a later date but yeah (laughs) Ah. okay one last question before we get to some rapid fire audience questions okay where's nan i was half half confident that i would it, this, there would be a standoff at Havens. I was when I uh, when I went in the room into the darkness. I I laid out like a taunting line to see if I could bait something because I half expected open the door completely black and a shot from the darkness. Mm-hmm. That's what I was going in anticipating. So right, now that that's found an empty apartment, and that made me so mad <laughs> that I destroyed the apartment. So now, man, I got no idea. All right. You want to hear my weird. Okay. So last episode, Theo called Tomas. Was it Tomas? Uh-huh. Tomas from the forensics. Yeah. And he said that the prince had come back uh, for Nand, that she had done something however many years ago. So Nan's in on it and Nan's. BFFs with Kieran <gasps> and she's doing some shy, like shady stuff and that's why my dad's involved or he, Kieran, kidnapped her because of this past that she had and it's gonna come to light that's, that's just my weird because I was, because I've watched episode 8 I've lived it and then I've watched it twice now. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, 
I just want to let you guys know, I, I watch it basically about three times in the in, in its entirety. So I pick up on a lot of stuff and that was the first time that I was like, oh, she, like, cause there was a hit on her prince. And I was like, hmm, I don't know if Bozer would have mentioned that if it wasn't relevant information. So well, we, we did see the way she handled the gun in episode. Yeah. Three, and right? that, that's like... another marker that she handled that. She was like, here you go. And I was like, <laughs> okay. Like, I've, and then she handed me that small gun as well. So those are some markers that I'm like, these are sides to Nan that I've never seen before. So she could have a hand in it or they wanted her for something or you never know. Which is actually a question that Farrell's has is, is Nan the BBEG? <laughs> Confirm or deny right now. Fake <laughs> point. Nan is She's not the BBEG of your heart. That's right. Al, do you have any theories on where you think Nan might be? Who? Al. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay, Lucas. Um, I've I've always I've gone into this whole campaign just uh, thinking there there are like we're on this tower, and I'm telling you, there's low there's lower floors. There's there's something like I guarantee you there's something underneath there, and if. If Nan is innocent, and if p shady people want to do shady stuff, I can't imagine a better place to hide than in the clouds. In the clouds? Like, below cloud level? Yeah. In the like, tower, or like in the physical clouds? Uh, well, in a tower, in a floating whatever, you know, something. Something. I just, I have, I, I just, ever since we first, like even started planning this i was like there's gotta be it can't be just a simple like set of spires all around the world i said people would find a way to do shady stuff off premises where no one can see their area 51 if you will i'm i just it's been something that's been stuck in my head for this entire time and i'm like i that would be the perfect place to really do some crazy experiments you don't want anyone to see so if this is at because you mentioned tower maintenance and i was like oh yeah i almost forgot about all that because no one's going down there no one is but someone is well imagine because we see this as a tower and then the city up there what if it's a cup and saucer scenario where we're the cup and then below cloud level, but not all the way on the surface, there's like a whole area that because there's other cities, so people travel. So the fact that it's below mm -hmm. cloud level means that even if people are traveling, they would never see anything but that one tower. Because mm -hmm. a little bit of like character recreation stuff, I, I sat there and I wanted before we settled on swords rooms throughout like the city that I, that I have to smuggle stuff around as i i was like hey would it be possible to have just like a skiff that sends me over to like i had my own little because that was my little creation i was like i if i'm gonna smuggle stuff i gotta stay out of sight out of mind something like that would be cool and he's like mm, no i don't think we're gonna do anything like that and i was like mm, i feel like there's something planned there <laughs> <laughs> and now that you mention it now i'm like huh, maybe it 
Like, I, I'm not against some personal aircraft, like, short distance. Because, again, back to that very first iteration of my of Cloudscape in, like, this weird anime sense that I had it. It was that redhead girl, but she had, like, a glider. And mm. in, before I came up with the cloud turbines that kind of brought the clouds in mass, um, keeping them below the city, but also harvesting them within the tower themselves. I was like, yeah, people, it's like farmers. Like they glide through the clouds, collect the essence of whatever it is and harvest it back. Um, that kind of felt away, but I don't know, the idea of a glider, not opposed. We know there's some tall buildings. There are some <laughs> tall buildings. All right, let's hit you with some quick questions from the audience we've been at adding them throughout today but the ones that we didn't get to i want to make sure we do um from ocean star from our discord will nan get her own spin-off series <laughs> it'd just be bozer just can we, can we just, <laughs> just i love me. i love dm interactions npc interactions with MP other npcs so you just got to talk to yourself while we listen yep. yeah it's my favorite there's going to be right. one week when nobody's available, but I have nothing <laughs> to do. That I'm just going to role play where Nan is right now. You can do like behind the scenes, oh, backstory stuff. It's it's Bozer with the with the phone. Hey, it's Nan. I'm in in I'm in Haven's dungeon. <laughs> <laughs> Live streaming from Haven's dungeon. <laughs> I'll, I'll dress up and everything. Right. Oh my god, that'd be so funny. It's Nan. Uh, I have yeah. I have a pitch, yeah, for the Nan spinoff series. Okay, okay. are you familiar with the game Brindlewood Bay? No. Okay, so um, because we're uh, my my show is a Stephen King show, we were looking for like Stephen King esque things to play. So uh, in the previous RPGs we've done, we've done Kids on Bikes, which is a very like it centric. For we sure. did Girl Underground, which is like that fantasy like talisman stuff. And then we were playtesting Brindlewood Bay for the like with the old ladies. Yeah, it is. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. It is. It's about a group of old ladies that live in a small town that solve crimes. Like they're just the the police know them. Like that's all part of like the canon of starting your game. Is before you even start, you are all members of this uh, reading group because you love uh, this author who writes these mysteries and so you're a book club that reads these and everybody has to be like over 80 i think like over 70 or 80 for your character and it's all yeah and that's awesome there are mechanics for solving the mystery mm -hmm. because it's very rules light as far as what clues exist and you solve it by uh there's no pre-written solution based on the evidence you make a roll and do it murder she wrote style where you say how it happened and that's how it happened cool and the more games you get into it you the uh you start kind of unlocking occult things and so it turns into these old ladies in a like cthulhu style town solving yeah. crimes so that's the nan spinoff where you play that. nan and then we'll all play other old ladies in the city and Honestly, will be it's a one shot. Yeah. It's a one shot. Yeah. Uh-huh. That's yeah. great. All right. Next question from uh who is it? Who is it? Who is it? We already talked about some of these. 
Um, another quick one from Farles. How fun is it to flirt with tea? It's the best. <laughs> uh, you should. At the wedding, it was great. Yeah. It, and do you guys think that I just do that for camera? No, I'm like hitting him up all the time. I'm like, hey, baby, I've, how are you? I love uh, Britt calling him out for love bombing Molly. That was terrific. It made me so happy. And he was like, what are you talking about? This is how I express love as a person. Such solid Theo. Just like, what? That's not bad. It's just... um, One more from Ocean. If if I said no to your character, if I said no, that's stupid. Don't do that. What would be another character that, or what was like your backup plan? Or did you have a first draft that eventually led into what your character is? Nope. Kit was it. Basically, Kit. if you had to play another character, somebody oh. else, what would it be? Now that you know a little bit more of the world. Um, I think I would have been part of the Knights of Axiom. Nice. I think I would have been a rebel. Mm. From the very beginning. Convenient. Yeah. Had I known that that existed, I would have belonged to it. Um, I am a huge Star Wars fan, so and I root for the Rebels. So I think that would have been the route. I would have gone like maybe some, maybe Leona, Liliona, Liana. Liana. Mm -hmm. I would have been like either BFFs with her or her herself. Oh. I feel like that's the type of person I would be. Is, um, is Kit as much of a rebel fan as you are? Mm, not currently. <laughs> beginning, she's beginning of Empire right now, right? She's she's gonna she's gonna hit Rebel One here pretty soon. <laughs> yes. Yep. Yep. Okay. What about that's you two? So I already have a backup character because I lit. It's something I learn. I've I've always done with D and D. If I play a character that is high violence, you meet a violent end. Like that's how violent characters can't not have violent ends. And so I always like have my next kind of idea ready to go. Um, I I do have one idea that is a little more, uh, in the realm of the experimental magic we're kind of delving into. Mm. Um. But if I knew, if I couldn't have made Sirkin, but I know what I know now about the world, I would have uh, been somebody who um, works for the underground fighting ring. That's what I, I feel like I would have done a more like, because um, in my background, I was I was a burlesque host for 10 years. So I probably would have done like an MC kind uh -huh. of a character sure. and like let that be how I came into this. That would have been my other idea, I think. That would have been cool. Okay. Yeah. I'm just stealing all these characters so you can't. <laughs> no, then if I die, who will I play? <laughs> uh, see, the first, so like the very first draft, um, before like when we get, we're starting the conversations with like X and stuff like that, um, Al is going to be an X user and kind of, uh, he would smuggle by basically, um, if you play Apex Legends, there's a character that can kind of create little portals and or like phase a lot momentarily mm -hmm. and i would would have used x to basically just like 
phase in and out of places to move around and jump around. But then I decided to kick the X habit and uh, I wanted to play kind of just a normal person that's interacting with this stuff, but is terrified to use it. Um, but if I couldn't play Al, I, I ironically, I was going to go back to my, my roots and I was going to be an enforcer of some type. So I, essentially, I would have played Waylon. <laughs> <laughs> but I was like, oh, well, we, we have that already. Let me just go adjacent. Let me let me do. I think it's kind of funny that none of us really use X except for Sirkin. Yeah. Uh, Sirkin is the walking addict of the party, for sure. Like when it was when is that was the offer up, like I don't think I even thought twice about it. Like that really? I wouldn't use it. Yeah, I was like, mm, it's not some. Hmm. Um, I I, and I think it's just because that's that's my character. Mm -hmm. Um, and I don't think had I played a different character, I would have done it as well. That's interesting because the whole point of my bringing X into it was. Like, I wanted a, a kind of a, I don't know, a real-life place, but having basically magic as an option. Mm -hmm. um, and it's just so funny that none of you, except for you, Sirkin, you want to use the magic that's available. But that doesn't mean that the NPCs around you aren't using it to their advantage. And, and I think Marshall that goes name. back to you saying it's like magic. I think it's because I didn't want a character that did magic. Sure, yeah. You're getting away from the casters. Uh -huh. Marshall Maine. Interesting. What I also like about that is the fact that, because we're building this new world, the fact that any character can be so adamant that I, I will never do it gives us the idea that that means that's a consent, that at least a group of the population has that consensus because you have no shame about saying it, which means it's a semi-popular opinion mm -hmm. and i like that eventually you know, i'm sure we'll see a little bit more of that i decided specifically to go into x uh beforehand because we had a in our like session zero i think we were talking about how it has different effects based on the user and i just thought with my archetype of being an interrogator what a what a fun idea to just give me a like it makes me a lie detector it seems simple and i like playing i, I wanted making uh, i wanted to make circan an addict so i also liked the idea of having a piece of him it's chemically relied upon mm -hmm. uh, or like the, him his gambling like mm -hmm. it, it's his overconfidence makes him unable to see those things as flaws makes him squishy like we yeah. talked about makes mm -hmm. him squishy. Yep. Um, I think with like seeing how it, it's I and I don't uh, this is not saying that Kit's necessarily going to do it later and but I think that's with each character like there is a chance that a character that swore it off or said that they weren't or they they didn't is not necessarily going to do that the entire time. Like our characters are constantly evolving. Mm -hmm. um, what's on the table now might change as we continue to ebb and flow with with these characters. Um, so I'm not saying that it's like I'm never doing it. It's not. Mm -hmm. Who knows what? Who knows what Kit's going to be ever be up against? We talked about you know this the psych the psychotic whatever 
lady. Yeah. Who knows? We might eventually choose when we go up to fighter that that's what we choose to do. Who knows what's going to happen? So swearing it off now doesn't necessarily mean we're swearing it off forever. So. And I guess all of you at home will just have to keep tuning in to find out what happens. Last question from John Art Geek Instagram. What's your character's coffee order? If you went to Starbucks, if Starbucks existed, which it doesn't in Aurora, but if if they were to enter a Starbucks today, what are you ordering? Sirkin drinks plain black coffee, and not not and not because it's so obvious a choice, but because if anybody put anything in it, he'd be able to recognize the flavor immediately. It's a survival strategy. He doesn't want to drink it black. He hates it black but he will always drink it black so he knows if something's in it. That's interesting. <laughs> Kit's order at the the hammered glass was black coffee. It was, yeah. But the only reason she drinks black coffee is because caffeine is a just stimulant for her. Like she mm -hmm. drinks it to, to be able to function. Mm -hmm. But if she was to go into a Starbucks, it'd probably be like some blended pink fruity <laughs> sugary drink. Yeah, pink drink. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it'd be some blended with whipped cream and a large straw. And you know what I mean? It'd be some frilly TikTok thingy. I just love the idea of like <laughs> Kit brooding, trying to be as grown up as possible and then leaving with this big fluffy pink drink. Can I have a grande double blended <laughs> with extra strawberries, whipped cream on top? What's better is when we have that scene and then you see that she has a second one and holds it to Sirkin, who <laughs> who also drinks the pink frilly drink. Them both sitting on a curb. <laughs> they, I need that. I need that art. Austin! Austin! I need that as chibi art. Yeah. Fuck. Kit uh, teaching Sirkin about drinking things that aren't safe. Taste Ow. the flavor. Um, I don't know. If if Al be a coffee drinker, I myself am not really much of a coffee drinker. I am a big energy drink person. Like I have two cases of monsters. I have all the absolute zeros. Every flavor they have basically in my <laughs> living room right now. Um because caffeine caffeine is what I it got that point where you know it you just probably have like two or three of these and not really feel too much because he's so just dead into the caffeine. <laughs> We need to make. We need to add it to lore. We need a an energy, energy drink, drink in Aurora. It's, it's got like a light form of X in it, like uh -huh. a derivative of X in it. Need so it's not. Energy it's drink. filtered through X, or so. Like there's like there's some extreme X energy. Yeah, it's some some outlandish like big like anime fucking extreme drink. energy. Of course, extreme. Got it. Noted. Added. It's cocaine. Cannon. <laughs> the original formula. Ugh, but I am so excited at where we are after eight episodes. It's it's in some ways exactly where I was hoping we might be, and in other ways, having no idea, and none of us could have known that because the dice played such a big hand in it. But I, I want to say... Yeah. So the rest of us have been players before. Like this is like it's nothing new to be a player. But this is your first time being a DM and mm -hmm. you 
are doing a great job. Thank you for yes. taking us on this epic journey because you know like uh, we, we we help write this story, but like you bring it to the table, mm -hmm. and I don't feel thus far I've ever been disappointed on what you've brought. That means so much, actually. Oh, yeah, so. especially like coming from someone who watched you first get introduced to D and D. You were my very first and, campaign. I was trying. And to like help you through the again the struggles of like understanding how things are made in D and D and whatnot. Mm -hmm to playing city of mist and you getting more and more comfortable and more i it's just been a pleasure the past few years to watch you just grow and like really dive into this stuff oh, thanks i love it it's like my new favorite thing because i've seen you play some weird characters like fladur <laughs> i've seen you play some really weird characters Fledur. yeah because i've only <laughs> played one shots with yeah with bozer um like we've played Monster of the Week, and we've also played. We did a D and D, but it was based off of. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's amazing. Um, I designed that, by the way. Um, oh, oh yeah. <laughs> um, but we've done Monster of the Week, and then we've done a D and D, but it was based off a of Cantina, Cantini. Um, <laughs> so those are the two things that I've played with with Bowser, but seeing him as a DM has brought him into a different light of, um just his flexibility and his just you know so snaps snaps for <laughs> snaps for Bozer because no. it's not it's job. not easy it's not no, an easy thing to do sure. but I because think players be make it hard <laughs> yes what's its name what's the address where's the map <laughs> like the things we throw at you and and I feel like to be a better player you need to be a DM absolutely yeah this, this does make me appreciate like t and jeff sits and thomas tomas tomas thomas simba 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 um mm -hmm. and so much more than i did previously and i appreciated the hell out of them already mm -hmm. um but thank you on that note before i get so uncomfortable i shrivel up and die um <laughs> we're gonna end it there if if you haven't yet caught up on cloudscape now's your chance you've only got eight eight episodes in they're only two hours ish hour and a half two hours long we try to keep them short you can cut it up halfway points do whatever there's only eight episodes you only have to spend a week and a day catching up yeah one a day while you're driving around mowing the lawn mm -hmm. now's your chance because um i have a feeling that this next set of episodes of the next the future of the cloudscape is just going to get absolute bashit. We know what happened. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> Thank you guys for joining me for this skydive into Cloudscape. Uh, and hopefully in the next skydive, we can maybe swap it out or have the full table. I don't know. We'll see who's available. Um, but until next time, I am Bozer. I'm Britt. Oh god, there's not enough. Uh, I guess I'll go on Lucas. I'm Josh. <laughs> and you just keep... <laughs> Eking out. Eking out. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye. Bye.